Hi, and welcome back. <clears throat> this is, um, today we have, um, it's a, called the Prologue to Romans, um, and it is written, it's several pages in the uh, Matthew's Bible, um, but what I've done is the writing is so tiny I've written it out. Let me just come back. Or, I mean, I've typed it out, actually. But it's a prologue to the epistle of St. Paul to the Romans. And I haven't completed uh, typing it out. I'm typing it word for word. And uh, some of the words I've defined just using Merriam-Webster's uh, online dictionary. Um, but I'll just read through it. It's just the first part. Um of Romans prologue, and this had has it opened my eyes when I read this the first time. Uh, so here we go. For as for as much as this is the principal and most excellent part of the New Testament and most pure evangelion, that is to say, glad tidings and that we call gospel, and also a light and a way in unto the whole Scripture. I think it meet that every Christian man not only know it by rote and without the book, but also exercise himself therein evermore continually as with the daily bread of the soul. No man verily or truly can read it too often or study it too well. For the more it is studied, the easier it is. The more it is chewed, the pleasanter it is, and the more groundly it is searched, the more precious things are found in it. So great treasure of spiritual things lay hid therein. I will, I will therefore bestow or apply my labor and diligence through this little preface or prologue to prepare a way in there unto, so far as God shall give me grace that I may be better understood of every man for it hath been oops it hath been uh, hither or two or yet evil darkness with gloss and wonder full dreams of sophisticators that no man could spy out the intent and meaning of it which nevertheless yet which nevertheless yet of itself is a bright light and sufficient to give light unto all Scripture. First, we we must first we must mark diligently the manner of speaking of the apostle, and above all thing know what Paul means by these words: the law, sin, grace, faith, righteousness, flesh, spirit, and such the like. Or else, read through it. Never so often that ye shalt but lose thy labor. This word law may not be understood here after the common manner, and so use Paul's term, after the manner of men or after man's ways, that you would say the law here in this place were nothing but learning which teacheth what, out, what ought to be done and what ought not to be done. As it goes with man's law, where the law is fulfilled with outward works only, though the heart be never so far off. 
but God judges the ground of the heart. Yeah, and the thoughts and the secret movings of the mind. Therefore, his law requires the ground of the heart and love from the bottom thereof and is not content with the outward work only but rebukes those works most of all which spring not of love from the ground and low bottom of the heart though they appear outward never so honest and good as Christ in the gospel rebukes the Pharisees above all other that were open sinners and calls them hypocrites that is to say dissemblers and painted sepulchres or tombs which Pharisees yet lived no men so pure as pertaining to the outward deeds and works of the law. Yeah, and Paul in the third chapter Romans of his epistle or letter unto the Philippians confesses of himself that as touching the law, he was such a one as no man could complain of and notwithstanding was yet a murderer of the Christian, persecuted them and tormented them so sore that he compelled them to blaspheme Christ and was altogether merciless as many which now feign or will or willing outward good works are. For this cause, the 115th Psalm calleth all men liars because that no man keepeth the law from the ground of the heart, neither can he keep it though he appears outwardly full of good works. For all men are naturally inclined unto evil and hate the law. We found ourselves unlust and tedious to do good, but lust and delectation or delight to do evil. Nowhere, no free lust or desire is to do good. There the bottom of the heart fulfills not the law, and there is no doubt also sin and wrath, wrath deserved before God. Though there be never so great an outward show and appearance of honest living, for the cause concludes St. Paul in the second chapter of Romans, that the Jews are all sinners and transgressors of the law, though they make men believe through hypocrisy of outward works, how that they fulfill the law and say that he only which does the law is righteous before God, meaning thereby that no man without outward works fulfills the law though says he to the Jew teach us a man should not break wedlock thyself wherein thou judges another man therein condemns thou thyself for thyself does even the very same things which thou judges as though he would say you live outwardly well in the works of the law and judge them that live not so you teach other men and see a mote in another man's eye, but are not aware of the beam that is in your own eye. For though you keep the law outwardly with works, for fierce rebuke or reprimand, shame and punishment of others, for love of reward, advantage, and vain glory, yet doest you all without lust and love toward the law, and had never a great deal otherwise. If you did not fear the law inwardly in your heart, you would that there were no law. No, nor yet God, the author and avenger of the law. If it were possible, so painful it is 
I'm sorry. If it were possible, so painful it is unto you to have your appetites refrained and to be kept down. Wherefore then, it is a plain conclusion that you from the ground and bottom of your heart are an enemy to the law. What prevails of it now? That you teach another man not to steal? When you your own self are a thief in your heart and outwardly would willingly steal if you dare, though the outward deeds abide not away behind with such hypocrites and dissimulators, but break forth among even as an evil scab or poke or wound, cannot always be kept in with violence of medicine. You teach another man, but teach not yourself. Yeah, you want not what you teach, for you don't understand the law correctly, how that it can't be fulfilled and satisfied. But with an unwilling love and affection, so greatly it cannot be fulfilled with outward deeds and works only. Moreover, the law increases sin, as he says in the sixth chapter of Romans, because that man is an enemy to the law. For as much as it requires so many things cling contrary to his nature, whereof he is not able to fulfill one point or title as the law requires. Therefore are we more provoked and have greater lust to break it. For which causes sake, he says in the seventh chapter Romans, that the law is spiritual. As though he would say, if the law were flesh and but man's doctrine, it might be fulfilled, satisfied, and filled with outward deeds. But now is the law ghostly or spiritual, and no man fulfills it except or unless that all that he does spring of love from the bottom of the heart. Such a new heart and lusty or willing courage unto the law toward can you never come by of your own strength and enforcement, but by the operation and working of the Spirit. For the Spirit of God only makes a man spiritual and like unto the law, so that now henceforth he does nothing of fear or for lucre. Lucre is monetary gain or, or, <laughs> or advantages sake or of vain glory but of a free heart and inward lust or desire. The law is spiritual and, and will be both loved and fulfilled of a spiritual heart, and therefore of necessity requires it the spirit that makes a man's heart free and gives him lust or desire and courage unto the law forward. Where such a spirit is not, there remains sin, grudging and hate, Read again the law, which nevertheless is good, righteous, and holy. Acquaint yourself, therefore, with the manner of speaking of the apostles, and let this now strike fast in your heart, that it is not both one to do deeds and works of the law and to fulfill the law. The work of the law is whatsoever a man does or can do of his own free will, of his own proper strength and encouraging, Notwithstanding, though, there be never so great working, yet as long as there remains in the heart unlust, tediousness, grudging, 
grief, vain slothfulness, and compulsion toward the law, so long, so long are all the works unprofitable, lost, yeah, and damnable in the sight of God. This means Paul in the third chapter of Romans, where he says, By the deeds of the law, law shall no flesh be justified in the sight of God. Hereby perceives you that this that those sophisters are but deceivers, which teach that a man may and must prepare himself to grace and to the favor of God with good works before he hath the spirit and true faith of Christ. How can they prepare themselves unto the favor of God and to that which is good when they themselves can do no good and not one time think a good thought or consent to do good? The devil possessing their hearts, minds, and thoughts all captive at his pleasure. Can those works please God, you think, which are done with grief? pain, tediousness, and with an evil will, with a contrary and grudging mind. O holy Saint Prosperous, how mightily with the scripture of Paul did you confound his this heresy about and through a twelve hundred years ago, and thereupon in delectation, and to live godly and well, freely willing and without compulsion of the law, even as though there were no law at all. Such lust and free liberty to the law comes only by the working of the Spirit in the heart. As he, without wavering, how that God is true and will fulfill all his good promises towards us for Christ's blood, for Christ's blood's sake, as it is plain in the first chapter of Romans. I am not ashamed, says Paul of Christ, glad tidings, for it is the power of God unto salvation to as many as believe. For at once and together, even as we believe the glad tidings preached to us, which is reading scripture, the Holy Ghost enters into our hearts and loosens the bonds of the devil, which did before possess our hearts in captivity and held them that we could have no lust to the will of God in the law. And as the Spirit comes by faith only, even so faith comes by hearing the word or glad tidings of God. When Christ is preached, how that he is God's Son and man also, dead and risen again for our sakes, as he says in the third, fourth, and tenth chapters Romans, all our justifying then comes of faith, and faith and the Spirit come of God and not us. When we say faith brings the Spirit, it is not to be understood that faith deserves the Spirit or that the Spirit is not present in us before faith. For the Spirit is ever in us, and faith is the gift and working of the Spirit. But through preaching, the Spirit begins to work in us. And as by preaching the apostles, the law, he works the fear of God, so by preaching the glad tidings, he worketh faith. And now, when we believe and are come under the covenant of God, then are we sure of the Spirit by the promise of God. And then the Spirit accompanies faith inseparably, and we begin to feel his working. 
And so faith certifies us of the Spirit and also brings the Spirit with her unto the working of all other gifts of grace and to the working out of the rest of our salvation until we have altogether overcome sin, death, hell, and Satan and are come unto the everlasting life of glory. And for this cause, we say, bring the Spirit. Here comes it that faith only justifies, <clears throat> makes righteous and fulfills the law, for it brings the Spirit through, Christ, through Christ's deservings. <clears throat> the Spirit brings lust, loosens the heart, makes him free, sets him at liberty, and gives him strength to work the deeds of the law with love, even as the law requires. Then at last, out of the same faith, working in the hearts, spring forth all good works by their own accord. That means he in the third chapter Romans, for after he hath cast away the works of the law, so that he sounded as though he would break and cancel the law through faith, he answers to that might be laid against, saying, We destroy not the law through faith, but maintain further or establish the law through faith. That is to say, we fulfill the law through faith. Sin in the scripture is not called an outward work, only committed by the body, but all the whole business and whatsoever accompanies moves or stirs unto the outward deed so that when the works spring as unbelief inclination and readiness unto the deed in the ground of the heart with all the powers affections and appetites wherewith we can but sin so that we say that a man that sins when he is carried away headlong into sin altogether as much as he is of that poison, inclination, and cor corrupt nature wherein he was conceived and born. For there is no outward sin committed except a man be carried away altogether with life, soul, heart, body, lust, and mind thereunto. The scripture looks singularly unto the heart and unto the root and original fountain of all sin, which is unbelief in the bottom of the heart. For as faith only justifies and brings the spirit and lust unto the outward good works, even so unbelief, unbelief only dammeth and keeps out the spirit, provoking the flesh and stirring up lust unto the evil outward works, as happened, as happened, as happened to Adam and Eva in the parable or story Genesis 3. For this cause, Christ calls sin unbelief that notably in the 16th chapter of St. John, the Spirit says he shall rebu rebuke or reprimand the world of sin because they believe not in me. And in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Also in the 12th of John, he biddeth them while they have light to believe in the light that you may be the children of light. For he that walks in darkness woteth or know not whither he goes. Now as Christ is the light, so is the ignorance of Christ that darkness whereof he speaks, in which he that walks 
knows not where he goes. That is, he knows not how to work a good work in the sight of God, or what a good work is. And therefore, in the ninth chapter, Romans, he says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But there comes night when no man can work, which night is but ignorance of Christ, in which no man can see to do any work that pleases God. And Paul exhorts, or urges strongly, in Ephesians 4, that they walk not as other heathen which are strangers from the life of God, though the ignorance that is in them, I'm sorry, through the ignorance that is in them, and again in the same chapter, put off, he says, the old man which is corrupt through the lust of error, that is to say ignorance. And in Romans 13, let us cast away the deeds of darkness, that is to say, of ignorance and unbelief. And in 1 Peter 1, fashion yourselves unto your old lust of ignorance. And in 1 John 2, he that loves his brother dwells in light, and he that hates his brother walks in darkness and knows not where he goes. For darkness hath blinded his eyes. By light he means the knowledge of Christ, and by darkness the ignorance of Christ. For it is impossible that he knows Christ truly should hate his brother. Furthermore, to perceive, to perceive this thing more clearly, you should understand that is in, that is is impossible to sin any sin at all except a man break the first commandment before. Now is the first commandment divided into two verses. Your Lord God is one God, and you shall love your Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your power, and with all your might. And the whole cause why I sin against any inferior precept a command or principle intended especially as a general rule of, of action is that this love is not in my heart. For where this love written, for were this love written in my heart and were full and perfect in my soul, it would keep me, it would keep my heart from consenting unto any sin. And the whole cause and only cause why this love is not written in our hearts is that we believe not the first part, that our God is one God. For wist I what these words, one Lord and one God, means, that is to say, if I understood that he made all and rules all, and that whatsoever is done to me, whether it be good or bad, is yet his will and that he only is the Lord that rules and does it, and wist thereto what this word mean. I'm sorry, what this word mine means, that is to say, if my heart believed and felt the infinite benefits and kindness of God to me, and understood and earnestly believed the manifold covenants of mercy, wherewith God hath bound himself to be mine, holy and altogether with all his power, love, mercy, and might, then should I love him with all my heart, soul, power, might, and of that love ever keep his commandments. So you see now that as faith is the mother, 
note here, faith is the mother related to the first commandment. Uh, let me start this sentence over. That's something I've added, I think. Okay, so you see now that as faith is the mother of all goodness and of all good works, so is unbelief the ground and root of all evil works. Finally, if any man forsake, which is to renounce or turn away from entirely sin, and is converted to put his trust in Christ, Christ and to keep the law of God, does fall at times the cause is that the flesh through negligence was choked the spirit and oppressed her and taken from her the food of her of her strength with the food of her meditation in god and in his wonderful deeds and in the manifold covenants of his mercy wherefore then before all good works as good fruits, there must needs be faith in the heart whence they spring. And before all bad deeds as bad fruits, there must be unbelief in the heart as in the root, foundation, pit, and strength of all sin, in which unbelief and ignorance is called the head of the serpent and of the old drag dragon, which the woman seed Christ must tread underfoot as it was promised unto Adam. Grace and gifts have this difference. Grace properly is God's favor. Benevolence is disposition to do good or kind of mind, which of his own self, without deserving of us, he beareth to us. Oh. Bear with me just for a second. Okay, whereby he was moved and inclined to give Christ unto us with all his other gifts of grace. Gift is the Holy Ghost and his working whom he pours into the hearts, <clears throat> hearts of them on whom he has mercy and whom he favors. Though the gifts of the Spirit increase in us daily and have not yet their full perfection, and though remain in us yet evil lust and sin which fight against the Spirit, as he says in the seventh chapter of Romans and in the fifth to the Galatians, and as it was spoken before in the third chapter of Genesis of the debate between the woman's seed and the seed of the serpent. Yet nevertheless, God's favor is so great and so strong over us for Christ's sake that we are counted for full, whole and perfect before God. For God's favor toward toward us divided not herself increasing a little and a little as do the gifts but receive as a whole and altogether in full love for Christ's sake our intercessor and mediator and because that the gifts of the spirit and battle between the spirit and evil lust are begun in us already Of, of this now understand the seventh chapter Romans where Paul accuses himself a sinner and yet in the eighth chapter says there is no damnation to them that are in Christ and that because of the spirit and because of the gifts of the spirit have begun in us sinners we are because the flesh is not full killed and mortified nevertheless inasmuch as we believe in Christ and have 
the earnest beginning of the Spirit would willing to be perfect, God is all God is so loving and favorable unto us that he will not look on such sin, neither will count it as sin, but will deal with us according to our belief in Christ and according to his promises, which he has sworn to us until the sin be full slain and mortified by death. Faith is not man's opinion and dream, as some imagine and are compelled when they hear the story of the gospel, which when they see that there follow no good works nor amendment of living, though they hear and yet can babble many things of faith, then they fall from the right way and say, faith only justifies, not a man must have good works also, if he will be righteous and safe. The cause is when they hear the gospel or glad tidings, they feign or they are compelled of their own strength certain imaginations and thoughts in their hearts saying, I have heard the gospel, I will remember the story, lo, I believe. And they that count it right faith, which nevertheless, as it is but man's imagination and saying, even so it profits not neither follow there any good works or amendment of living, but right faith is a thing wrought up by the Holy Ghost in us, which changes us, turns us into a new nature, and begetteth us anew in God, and makes us the sons of God. As you read in the first of John, and kill killeth the old Adam, and make us altogether new in the heart, mind, will, lust, and in all our affections and powers of the soul, the Holy Ghost ever accompanying her and ruling the heart. Faith is a lively thing, mighty and working, valiant and strong, ever doing, ever fruitful, so that, is it, so that it is impossible that he which endureth therewith should not work always good works without ceasing. He asked not whether good works are to be done or not, but hath, but has done them already. Yet mention be made of them, and, and is always doing, for such is his nature. No quick faith in his heart and lively moving of the Spirit drives him and stirs him thereunto. Whosoever does not good works is an unbelieving person and faith, faithless and looks around groping after faith and good works and wants not what faith and good works mean, though he babble never so many things of faith and good works. Faith is then a lively and steadfast trust in the favor of God, wherewith we commit ourselves altogether unto God, and that trust is so surely grounded and sticks so fast in our hearts that a man would not once doubt of it, though he should die a thousand times thereof. And such trust brought by the Holy Ghost through faith makes a man glad, lusty, cheerful, and true-hearted unto God and all creatures. By the means whereof willingly and without compulsion, he is glad and ready to do good to every man to do service to every man, to suffer all things that God may be loved and praised, which has given him so such grace, 
so that it is impossible to separate good works from faith, even as it, even as it is impossible to separate heat and burning from fire. Therefore, take heed to yourself and beware of your own fantasies and imaginations, which to judge of faith and good works will seem wise, when indeed they are stark blind and of all things most foolish. Pray God that he will wit save I'm sorry. Pray God that he will wit safe to work faith in your heart, or else shall you remain evermore faithless. Fain though Fain thou imagine though in force thou wrestle with yourself and do what you will or can't. Restlessness is even such faith and is called God's righteousness or righteousness that is of valor before God for it is God's gift and it alters a man and changes him to a new spiritual nature and makes him free and liberal to pray to pay every man his duty for th- for through faith is a man purged of his sins and obtains lust unto the law of God whereby he gives God his honor and pays him that he owes him and unto men he does service willingly wherewith soever he can and pays every man his duty such righteousness can nature free will and our own strength never bring to pass for as no man can get himself faith so can he not take away unbeliefs how then can he take away anything at all wherefore all is false hypocrisy and sin whatsoever is done without faith or unbelief as it is evident in the 14th chapter unto the romans though it appear never so glorious or beautiful outwards flesh and spirit may not here understand as though flesh were only that which pertains unto chastity and the spirit that which inwardly pertains to the heart but paul calls flesh here as christ does in john chapter 3 all that is born flesh that is to say the whole man with life soul body wits will reason and whatsoever he is or does within and without because that these all in all that is in in man study after the world and the flesh call flesh therefore whatsoever as long as we were without the spirit of god we think or speak of god of faith of good works and of spiritual matters call flesh also all works which are done without grace and without working of the spirit howsoever good holy and spiritual they seem to be as you may prove by the 5th chapter unto the galatians where paul numbered worshiping of idols witchcraft envy and hate among the deeds of the flesh and by the 8th chapter unto the romans where he says that the law by reason by reason of the flesh is weak which is not understood of unchastity only but of all sins and most specially of unbelief which is a vice most spiritual and ground of all sins and as you call him which is not renewed with the spirit and born again in Christ flesh and all his deeds 
even the very motions of his heart and mind, his learning doctrine and contemplation of high things, his preaching, teaching, and studying scripture, building of churches, founding of abysses, giving of alms, mass, and attempts, and whatsoever he does, though it seems spiritual, and after the laws of God, so contrarywise call him spiritual, which is renewed in Christ, in all his deeds which spring of faith. Seem they so gross as the washing of the disciples' feet done by Christ and Peter, and Peter and Peter's fishing after the resurrection. Yeah, and all the deeds of matrimony are pure spiritual if they proceed of faith, and whatsoever is done with the laws of God, though it be wrought by the body, as the very wiping of shoes and such like, howsoever gross they appear outward. With such understanding of these words, canst you never understand this epistle of Paul, neither any other place in the Holy Scripture. Take heed, therefore, for what whosoever understands these words otherwise, the same understand not Paul, whatsoever he be. Now will we now will we prepare ourselves unto the epistle. And this is the end of the first chapter of the prologue to Romans. And like I said, um, I can only read this by, I have to type this onto my iPad because the lettering in the Matthews, this is like even half size. So I have to usually take the Matthews Bible outside into the sunlight with the magnifying glass just to get these words uh, written down. I'm, I think I'm kind of about halfway through, so once I get the rest of it, I'm just transcribing it. I'm not adding to or taking away. Um, and then I'm just reading it. And the podcast, it's set up. I, you know, I don't make any money off the podcast. I'm just doing this to do it. Um, and I hope this helps enlighten you just like it's helping me. Um, and that's it for now. Thank you for listening. I hope that helped in your understanding.